Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Amen. Take your Bibles and open up to Exodus chapter 2 in our series called out to call in. We have been called out to call in. And today we're going to be taking a look at preservation and preparation. Preservation and preparation. Exodus chapter 2, if you would. And uh, let's remain standing if we could as we look into the Word of God this morning to be able to see what God has for us in understanding about the heart of God for the oppressed as we take a look at the heart of God for the oppressed. Exodus chapter 2, if you would, and the Bible reads this way. And there went out a man of the house of Levi and took a wife, a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. When she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the riverside, and when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maids to fetch it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrew children. Then said a sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way, and when, the, when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou, fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killedest the Egyptian? And Moses feared, saying, Surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian and sat down by the well. 
Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to, the water, uh, to water the father's flocks. And the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flocks. And when they came to Reuel, their father, he said, How is it that ye are come so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and also drew water enough for us and watered the flocks. And he said unto his daughters, And where is he? Why is it that ye have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses Zipporah, his daughter, and she bare him a son. And he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groanings, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to share your word. And Lord, I pray that you would take the moments that we have together and that your grace would work in and through me. Lord, I pray that if there's one here today that does not know you, that they would come to know you. I pray, Lord, you clear my heart and my mind. I ask that I would be totally surrendered to you and that you would do what only you can do this morning. Thank you for these dear and precious people. I pray for the many who are online today. I ask that you would be with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. One of the things that, uh, or one of the hobbies that I have, I don't have many, and I just started having hobbies, but one of the hobbies that I have is I like to hike. And uh, I've gone on a couple hikes, and there have been times where I've been ready for a hike, and then there are times where I haven't been ready for a hike. I mean, today, if I were to say, hey, let's all just go out for a hike right now, I don't think too many of us would be ready for it. I don't want to be walking around in a pair of Johnson and Murphy shoes and up and down the side of a mountain. That's a pair of dress shoes. I don't want to do this in a suit jacket or a pair of dress pants. And Lord knows I don't want to do it with a tie, so I took that off, right? If you're going to go on a hike, you've got to be prepared. But if I were to go like this, you would say, you're not prepared for it. I mean, there is some protection here if it were to get too cold or whatever the case may be, but not much. So if you're going to go on a hike, I have found out that if I'm going to go on a hike, I need the right type of shoes. I've got to have a good pair of, of hiking boots. And these are, they're very good hiking boots. As a matter of fact, I've got uh, a couple different pairs. 
But I make sure, why? Because if I don't have my, my feet are not uh, protected, if my feet are not preserved, then I can get myself in a whole lot of trouble. I, I need to be pre- prepared in order to stay preserved because I, I don't know maybe what type of terrain I could come across. I, I don't know what type of weather I may, I may face. And so, therefore, I, I got to make sure that I also have, have a backpack. And I got to have a backpack that's going to help prepare me and preserve me. It'd be one thing if I just picked up my backpack and I went out and I never packed the pack. I never prepared the pack. But one of the things that I know, if I'm going to go on a hike, I know that I'm going to need water. So I got, my, I got my water bladder in here. And so I've got that thing ready to go. And I can fill that thing up. And I hook this little thing up here. And, and as I hook that up, you know, I can just walk along and I can have water. Why? I'm being prepared so I can be preserved. Well, I know if I'm going to be out there for a while, and it, it, excuse me, and it might be hot, it might be, uh, I'm going to need that water, I'm going to get thirsty, but then if I'm going to be out there for a while, I'm going to need some food. And so I, I'm, going to, I'm going to prepare a couple uh, things of nuts and, and uh, really good yogurt-covered raisins. You need that. And, uh, and so I'm going to have that with me. I might bring even a couple kind bars for, to, to be able to help sustain me a little bit in case I get hungry. Why? I, I'm preparing myself to stay preserved. I, I don't want to die out there on the, on the side of a mountain. And then, hey, guys, I got my Leatherman right here. I've got it. This, this right here, guys, this is all the tools that I own. <laughs> I got a saw right here. I got a knife. I got a whole bunch of other things in here. I don't even know how to work. I got scissors. I got a file. I mean, in case anything goes wrong or I need to be able to uh, maybe cut a couple branches off or twigs off or something like that, I probably really ought to have a fire starter in here too. But what am I doing? I'm making sure that I'm prepared. I got a couple uh, carabiners here in case I need to help hold up my tent. I got, uh, oh, I got a flashlight in case it gets dark so that that way I can find my way back. And it took some time to be able to prepare this, but I'm preparing myself so that that way, I can be preserved. And now I got my big knife right here, boy. I got that in case a bear comes after me or something like that. (laughs) You know, I don't know. But uh, I got that knife. And then then, let me see. What else do I have in here? I got some other things to make sure I'm prepared. Oh, I got some rope in here. I got some... uh, I can put it on my wrist, and that way if I, I need to, uh, uh, to tie a rope maybe to, get, get, uh, to, to hold something up or to be able to help pull myself up somewhere, and then I got some chapstick in case my lips get a little bit chapped. Got to keep them soft for my baby. <laughs> Desiree, that's where you're supposed to say amen. <laughs> then, oh, oh, I'll tell you what else I got in here. I got my first aid kit. It's not very big, but just in case, I might need a couple things. got my first aid kit, and then I got my handy-dandy hat, my outback hat. That way, that way, if it gets too hot, you know, guys without hair, we've got to prepare for this kind of thing. 
By the way, side note, I don't celebrate Halloween, but this year I was going to. I was going to. I went out and I bought a turtleneck. And I was going to go out last night. But again, I don't celebrate Halloween, but I was really thinking about it. I was going to go out last night after I bought my turtleneck. I was going to put my turtleneck on and go out trick-or-treating. I was going to go out as roll-on deodorant. <laughs> That's why I need my hat, right? I got to be prepared. I got to be prepared in case it gets really hot out. Then I got to I got to have a jacket. And the reason I got to have a jacket is if it starts to rain. If it rains, I've got my hood to be able to protect me from all the What am I doing? I'm preparing myself so that that way if there's any oppression that comes my way, if there's any difficulty that comes my way, I will be protected. If I get a little bit cold, I can throw this over uh, one, of my, one of my other shirts that I have on, this long sleeve, so I can start to layer myself. I got in here my SPF, whatever it is, 50 shirt in case it's too hot. Helps protect me from the UV rays and all that type of thing. I got in here special socks for my, my hiking, once again, to preserve my feet and to make sure that I, I'm prepared in case anything comes along. Always bring a belt. Oh, you need a belt. You can use a belt for a lot of things, not just to hold your pants up. It, it'll help you in, in many instances. Uh, and then I got a pair of pants in here. Oh, here they are. These pants are, man, these pants are really good pants because these pants right here, I was going to wear them today, but I didn't want the ladies to go nuts. So, um, thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> But these pants right here, these pants can help keep me warm, but they also can help keep me cool because the bottom half of these pants, they zip off. So, man, I'm trying to make sure that I am prepared in order to preserve myself, and then maybe I might just bring this other little day pack in case I need to go around to be able to forage for some food, and I can put some food in here. Because there might be some oppression that may come my way. There might be some difficulty that may come my way and therefore, if I'm going to be delivered out of the oppression, if I'm going to be delivered out of the difficulty, I need to make sure before I go on this hike that I am prepared in order to be preserved. See, in this passage of Scripture, what we see is we see God preparing a man and a people to be preserved. See, God's heart, this is what I want you to take away, that God's heart is to deliver the oppressed. God's heart is to deliver the oppressed. And folks, all of us, every single day, are under oppression. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you're underneath the oppression of sin. And if you do know Christ as your personal Savior, you're underneath the oppression of the devil, the flesh, the pride of life, and the world. Every day it comes our way. We cannot get out of being oppressed, if you will. And see, God's heart... It teaches us something here. And it teaches us through, through the scripture to show us how God wants to deliver the oppressed. Here's two truths. First, God does not just want to prepare you or preserve you. Now, let's start with uh, preparation. Yeah, preserve. No, we'll start with pre preserve. Let's start with preserve. God does not want to preserve you 
just so that you can live your own life. God doesn't want to preserve you just so you can live your own life. God preserves, here, write this down. God preserves for a purpose. God preserves for a purpose. We see in verses 1 through 10 of Exodus chapter 2, we see this, how God is preserving a, a baby boy for a purpose. The backdrop to this text is Exodus chapter 1. Let's read verses, um, Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, and then I'm going to give you the backdrop here in Exodus chapter 1 and verse 22. And there went out a man of the house of Levi and took a wife, a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch. And put, there, and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river bank, by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off. To wit will be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister unto Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and served it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. Now, take a look at the backdrop of this text. Exodus chapter 1 and verse 22. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. Did you hear that? What Pharaoh commanded his people. See, every newborn baby was to be thrown into the river. It was the law of the land. So you say, what are you saying, Pastor? So many times we look at this passage and we think, well, it was, the, it was the midwives that were commanded to kill the newborns, and yes, they were. But if you look at the passage, look at what it says, and Pharaoh charged all his people, saying. It was law. It was the law of the land. If a Hebrew mom was walking outside with her Hebrew baby, then an Egyptian woman could walk up to her, rip it out of her hands, and throw it in the Nile. I want you to think about that, ladies. Could you imagine if you were walking along and, and somebody ripped your baby out of your arms? You talk about mama bear. That was the law of the land. They, they wouldn't be prosecuted for that. They would be following the direct orders of a pharaoh. These people were oppressed. This was a very dangerous situation for the Hebrew boys, the baby boys. The Bible tells us that Moses' parents were of the tribe of Levi. His dad's name, I believe it's in Exodus chapter 6, you can find his dad's name. His dad's name was Amram, and his mother's name was Jochebed. That's a little bit weird, but it seemed to work for them, okay? Jochebed was Amram's aunt. 
They married. Kind of seems weird to us, but they're both from the same tribe, and that's what they did. And they, it tells us here in the scriptures that they had a child, and then his, the child's name was called Moses. Amram and Jochebed also had two other Bible characters that we know of, two other children that are Bible characters, Miriam and Aaron. Moses was the baby. He was the baby of the family, at least for what we know here in Scripture, that he was the baby of the family. And because of the decree of Pharaoh, Moses' life was in jeopardy. Now, I want you to also think about this, folks. It says that Jochebed hid Moses for three months. Folks, there's been some newborns in this church since we've had COVID. We bring them in here sometimes. Kids will be upstairs here where we can't keep kids quiet for three minutes. Think about it. The law of the land is every Hebrew boy you see, every baby boy you can take and throw into the river. Could you imagine the faith that, Mo, that Jochebed and Amram had to have in order to try and hide Moses for three months? Could you imagine what it, what it would have been like for the family uh, trying to keep a newborn quiet? So many times we talk about, Pastor, well, you know, back in the olden days, back in Bible times, things were so much easier. You know, we don't have that law of the land here. Could you imagine the stress on the family every time maybe Moses would start to whimper or cry and, and how they're trying to, to muffle that and keep him quiet for three months? Could you imagine the strain that it put on the marriage? Could you imagine the strain that it put on the home? But despite the circumstances, God was working. God was in the business of preserving the life of Moses. And Moses' parents were part of that preservation. Why? Because they were a people of faith. The Bible also tells us that, that Moses' parents knew that he was a goodly child. You might find in maybe another translation where it would say that he was a fine child or he was a beautiful child and, and uh, 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 some say that he was an exceptionally well-formed child. And I don't think that any of these translations pick up exactly what is being said. See, the writer of Hebrews in the New Testament tells us Moses' parents acted in faith. Moses' parents acted in faith that had to preclude the outward appearance of Moses. You know, so many times when we read that verse, we say, oh, he was a goodly child. Oh, well, he was a good boy. Or he was a good-looking child. No, it was not that he was just a good-looking child. It was not that somehow, miraculously, that they knew God had some special plan for Moses because I don't believe that they did. The scripture never tells us anything about that, that God visited them as an angel sent down to Amram and Jochebed. No, they didn't know that Moses was anything special. See, because if you, if you take that thought process that, well, they, they uh, acted in faith because they saw that he was a good-looking child or that they acted in faith because they knew that God had a special plan for him. If you take that argument then any male child that was not good-looking or any male child that didn't meet these standards, that God had a special purpose for him, then he could be killed, right? I mean, that's what logic would say. So I don't believe that that's what the Scriptures are trying to convey for us. 
See, I believe the underlying meaning of what's being said about Moses is that his mother, Jochebed, saw that he was good. What do you mean by that? The Hebrew word translated good, it's frequently used by Moses. And it's the same word of the divine verdicts in Genesis chapter 1 on what God created. Now listen, you need to understand this. That same exact word is used when God said, and he created the first day and all these things, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. It had to do with a divine verdict. See, the point is that Moses' parents acted in faith because, now listen, they saw Moses as a gift entrusted to them by God. They realized that the birth of a child was a good thing. That's the reason that they determined to save his life. See, the focus of this portion of Scripture right here is preservation. What did the midwives do? They didn't follow Pharaoh's decree. What did they do? They preserved life. What did Jochebed and Amram do? They didn't follow Pharaoh's decree. They preserved life. The scripture and the surrounding scriptures of this portion talks about the sanctity of life. They understood that God is the giver and preserver of life, that God has a purpose for each life. They understood that children come from God. Turn over to Psalm chapter 127, if you would, please. Psalm chapter 127. I want you to take a look at this here. Remember, we're talking about the preservation. God is preserving Moses, and he's preserving a people. Psalm 121 says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of thy youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gates. See, his parents understood that every child is the product. Now listen. Every child, every child is the product of divine creation. Psalm 134, verses 13 and 14 say this. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. See, God had created this child. And what this means is that like Moses... Every child that has ever been born or every child that will ever be born is good in the sight of God. Amen. What is he doing? He's preserving life. He's preserving the life of Moses through the faith of Amram and Jochebed. See, in our modern-day society, we look at life as something we can throw away. Our modern-day society may give excuses about why it's loving to abort a child. 
But the fact remains that God sees every child as good. No one, no one has a right to decide if a child is good enough to live, if they are fit enough to live, if they are smart enough to live, if they are healthy enough to live. You know, it may be more sophisticated to vacuum a child from a mother's womb or to cut that child out, but it's no different than throwing a child into a river to be eaten alive by crocodiles. See, Moses' parents had their fear appropriately placed. They, they had their fear placed in God, and they refused to follow the law of the land. The law of the land said you can kill every male child. And it was through the faith of Moses' parents that God preserved his life. I want you to think about your faith this morning. You have faith, and the reason that you have faith is to be able to not only prepare and preserve your own life as God does that through you but your faith is there to help preserve the life of others how about your faith to share the gospel how about your faith to share the gospel it could be that God wants you to preserve someone's eternal soul by giving them the gospel and seeing them saved how about your faith in giving? It could be that God will want you to preserve this local assembly here for the next generation through your giving. How about your faith in praying? It could be that God would use you to preserve the life of a teenager from falling into great sin by praying with them and praying over them. But, but I, I want you to understand this morning that God is the preserver of life for a purpose. And he's doing that to be able to deliver the oppressed. See, but not only are you here to help preserve maybe someone else's life, but God is also the preserver of your life. Think about it. I mentioned it a couple times. God, uses, God used Moses' mother and father to preserve his life. I want you to think about something else. God used Pharaoh's own daughter to help preserve the life of Moses. Do you realize Moses could sit on his throne, uh, uh, Pharaoh could sit on his throne and pass all kinds of laws, but when his daughter faced the reality of the laws that he had, he had passed, the implications of what her father had passed, she chose life. And now Moses is a part of the household of Pharaoh. Moses has now become untouchable, if you will. He was being protected by the one who was wanting his very death. God is the preserver of life. And God now blesses Moses with the opportunity to raise her own son and get paid for it. Ladies, wouldn't you love to get paid for raising your kids? Most of you would be multimillionaires by now. Uh-huh. I want you to understand, you say, Pastor, what do you want us to get from this first point? I want you to understand that God is preserving your life for a purpose. Look, tomorrow morning when you go out, this afternoon when you go out, you're going to be oppressed. Something's going to happen to disturb your life. It may not be something huge. It might be just something little. But there's going to be something there. But don't let that discourage you. Realize that God 
has a heart for the oppressed and he preserves them for a purpose. But secondly, I want you to see God prepares for a purpose. God prepares for a purpose. And for lack of time, I'm not going to read it. I'd ask that you would read it. You would see in Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 through 25, I want you to say, you can take a look there. But in verses, verse, the first part of that verse, verses 11 through 15, you'll see that God prepares, you might want to write this down, God prepares through defeat. God prepares through defeat. Take a look at verse um, 10, if you would, please. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his own brethren and looked on their burdens, and he espied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew one of his brethren. He looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. You find out what happens later on there that the Pharaoh found out and now Moses is on the run. Between verses 14 and 15, 40 years had passed. And Moses, during that time, before he ever, before he ever left Egypt, he decided that he was not going to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 11. I want you to see this because it's important. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the, child, the, called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproaches of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. See, Moses had decided to identify with his people. And to say that Moses' murder was a defeat on Moses' part is really an understatement. Moses is now labeled a fugitive. He, he is a murderer. He's a wanted man. He's on the run. And it seems like what God was going to use him for was now lost. Moses was defeated because, listen, here you go. This might help you in your life a little bit. Moses was defeated because he acted impulsively and emotionally. Not that any of you would do that. He acted impulsively and emotionally. He became defeated. See, the commitment to be identified with the people of God was the correct one. But how he lived out that commitment was the wrong way. See, Moses was defeated, but God is using this because he acted impulsively and emotionally. Moses was defeated because he attempted to do God's work in his own power. God was going to set the people free, not Moses. But Moses was not ready. He was not prepared, if you will. He didn't have his backpack packed. He wasn't prepared to lead the people at this point. And many times, folks, if we are not careful... We can get have God's plan for our lives and act out in the arm of the flesh. 
See, Moses was defeated also because he tried to cover up his sin. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 12, take a look there. And he looked this way and that. And when he saw, the, uh, saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Hey, let me tell you something. Hiding your sin will never work out. Eventually, it'll be made known. But even in spite of all this, God was preparing Moses. You say, well, then what's the point? Where's the hope for us? Here it is. God uses imperfect people who fail significantly in their attempts to serve him. God uses imperfect people who fail significantly in their attempts to serve him. God was preparing Moses through defeat. But in verses 16 through 25, we see the second way that God was preparing he was preparing through delay. Let me ask you something, or let me back up and state this. Before I go into the second point, uh, uh, point B of, of delay, this is, where, this is where this defeat, this is where many Christians lose. This is where many Christians give up. In one of these two places, either defeat or delay, what happens is when you fail and you fail significantly, what happens is Satan will remind you of that over and over and over again. I used to say one of the hardest things that I ever did was to leave open Bible to go pastor in Ohio. I used to say that. People say, well, how was it? Man, it was the hardest thing I ever did to leave open Bible. Man, I, I loved South Jersey. I mean, you can't get a good cheesesteak in Ohio. Their idea of pizza is cardboard with sauce on it. I mean, they have this thing called Marcos. Marcos Pizza. They popped one up in Sicklerville. I told, I told somebody, I said, let me tell you something. It's not going to last six months here. In five months, it was closed. You know, come on. I mean, there's more, there's more cows where I was at than there was people. It took us forever to get to any size type mall, 45 minutes. I mean, man, that's like everything that I knew was here. I grew up here. And I, I used to say, man, it's the hardest thing that I ever did was to leave open my leave South Jersey, leave my family. I mean, I loved working with my father. It was a blast. We had a great time together. And now God's calling me away. No, that wasn't the hardest thing I ever did. The hardest thing I ever did was come back. You want to know why? Because all of you have seen my defeats. You two know me inside and out. You saw me when I had crazy haircuts and came in as a rebellious teenager and my dad's pulling his hair out and I'm spiking my hair up. <laughs> Get lines cut in the side of my head. I mean, honey, she had me swimming in her pool in my underwear. I mean, you've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. That was ugly. <laughs> you people know all my defeats. Matter of fact, some of you have brought them up to me. That's a real encouragement. I've had to kindly correct some people, but did what we had to do. See, God could have used that. 
God, I mean, I mean, I mean, Satan could have used that in my life to be able to say, well, wait a second, all these people know your whole background. Man, you've got an advantage over me. And Satan plays on your mind like that, doesn't he? And you know what I could have done? I could have said, you know what, I'm very, very happy, and I was very, very happy and content in Ohio. No, I'm not, I'm not going back. I can still preach in Ohio like I can preach here. I can make all the excuses. And guess what? I would have been out of the center of God's will. See, many times, God will use defeat to be able to help prepare us. One of the biggest defeats that I ever went through was with you folks right here when I was out for over eight months and now you know that I struggle with some things it would have been easy to just say I'm just going to back away say well wait a second well, how, did, how did God prepare you for that I'm going to tell you one of the major things that God did in my life to be able to prepare me he made me more compassionate towards the hurts of others we'll say did he preserve you yeah well I'm here but not only did he preserve me, he showed me that I'm not the one preserving myself. It's him. Because in the darkest of valleys, in the blackest of nights, in the deepest of hells that he had me walk through, he was there. Oh, I didn't see him many times. I didn't see him. Many times I even doubted. but he prepared me to go through it and preserved me so that now I've been able to not only help people in this church, but I've been able to help pastors, missionaries. I've been able to go out and be video recorded on YouTube to be able to help with those who deal with those same things. But many times, people stop serving God because they've been defeated. And God will use that. The other reason is through delay. Verses 14 and 15, there's a 40 year, about 40 years there. And he goes to Midian. And Moses is sitting on the backside of a desert. He's going about his life. He's tending some sheep. We find that out in Exodus chapter 3, and we'll see that next week. And, and to be honest with you, this delay seems like God was putting him on the shelf. You know what God was doing? He was honing Moses. See, because God was using sheep to be able to teach Moses how to be able to lead his people. 
It seemed like Moses had ruined his life. It seemed, you know, Moses was a wanted man. He was a murderer. And to be honest with you, if we were writing this story, we would probably, or if we were projecting what the, how the story should end, we would probably think that Moses' life was going to end in obscurity. But God is still at work in the life of Moses. You say, how do we know this? In verses 23 through 25, and it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. That the king of Egypt died. You say, what does that have to do with anything? Because now Moses can go back. The delay is over. The Jewish people are crying out to God because of their current circumstances. But God is preparing a deliverer. And he's preparing a people for deliverance. And this is what I want you to see this morning about God, and we're going to close. God steps into Israel's history because he is compassionate and faithful and wanting to deliver the oppressed. See, God did not step into Israel's history because they were faithful. Those last couple verses, they weren't praising God. They weren't honoring God. They were groaning. They were complaining to God. They were crying out in pain to God. But God, in his compassion and his desire to deliver the oppressed, steps into their history. And let me tell you something, friend. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, God wants to step into your life and deliver you from the oppression of sin. Christian friend, God wants to continue to step into your life and into your heart to be able to show himself strong that he is preserving you and preparing you for a purpose. See, preparation and preservation are are organic. I will be preserved because I'm prepared, and I will prepare in order to preserve. They're organic. And God is continually preserving you for a purpose, and he has prepared you for a purpose to do what he has called you to do. Just remember, because you're a person of faith, you're still fallible. But also remember that God's grace is dripping throughout this chapter. All the details of your life, every defeat, every delay, can and will be used of God to preserve you and to prepare you for his purpose. Thanks for joining us on today's broadcast. We hope it was an encouragement to you. Be sure to reach out to someone this week. Send an encouraging text or a voicemail to stay connected. If you'd like to give today, you can do so on openbiblenj.org. To get encouraged throughout your week, check out our podcast of past messages on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you on the next broadcast.